Have you ever wondered how your sales performance compares against your competitors and peers? The B2B Sales Benchmark Report provides the definitive guide to what success looks like in 2021. See how you compare in terms of win rate, sales cycle, average deal value, relationships, and engagement. You can see the results and get the full report at ebster.com forward slash B2B dash sales dash benchmarks. This is Sales Ops Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in sales operations. We invite the brightest minds in sales operations onto the show to deconstruct the why, what, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by Ebster, the leading customer engagement platform for Salesforce. Hello and welcome to another very special episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. And today we're joined by Jim Gallick, who's currently Senior VP at WellTalk. And this is going to be an interesting discussion as we I'm going to kind of broaden slightly from sales operations. Jim has experience in leadership, and so we're going to explore the difference um, between these two areas, if there is any. So, Jim, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure. And I'd like to actually kick right off with something that we were just discussing off-air about how you like to refer to the, the sales ops team. Yeah, absolutely. So when you really think about the two groups, sales and sales ops, it's so easy to think that they're at the opposite ends of the spectrum, when in reality, they work hand in hand. And, and to me, one of the key words that's missing when we define it is sales ops success. Because sales operations without success is a failure for everybody involved. So when we think of that partnership, we really want to have a successful marrying of those two to drive towards success. And so for me, it's not that you're in sales ops. You're in sales ops success. Awesome. And then for you, you personally, I, I know you've had a, a pretty extensive career and you've moved through both ops and leadership. Yeah. Uh, which came first? So sales came first, spent a, a number of years doing that, and then had the good fortune of being part of the sales ops teams at um, ADP, Automatic Data Processing, large payroll company in the States. And that was an eye-opening experience for me just to see how much work goes into the sales process that most of the sales professionals, managers, and leaders never had a view into. So it was a great eye-opening experience for me. And then that led to doing a combination of sales, sales ops, sales management, sales leadership, and then overall operations. Got it. And then zooming into today, I, I know you're not directly within the sales ops function, but it would be good for us to understand the current the, the tech stack you guys are using, uh, the, the rough number sure. of reps and the structure of the team? Yeah, so I'd love to say I'm part of the sales ops team, but I, I think our VP of sales ops, Jen Forrester, who is just a rock star, would uh, probably have an issue with that. So our tech stack is it's fairly standard. I would say we're using Salesforce. We're using Zoom Info to enrich that data that's coming in. We're using Marketo for outreach. Uh, but we've added some new components that you might not be aware of 
that I think are kind of adding to this that you might want to take a look at. So one is a product called Crystal Nose, which looks at the actual psychological profile of a prospect to figure out how best to engage that individual, whether it be text, email, and then how long or how short and what to put into that message. And we've seen great results with that because it gives us a better understanding of a prospect before we talk to them. Uh, and then we just added Crayon, which is a, um, a new tool for competitive intelligence. So that helps us build out our battle cards as we're looking at specific competitors in the sales process. So two great tools. Awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, anything, any edge you have to understand who that person is that you're going to be reaching out to can, is definitely going to help you stand out from the crowd. Um, in the more recent months, how has your role as leading the sales team changed? Yeah, so a couple of things have happened. One, we revamped our entire sales process in partnership with sales ops because we weren't getting the results that we wanted. And we literally stripped it down to zero and started it back up. And we had direct leadership um, uh, involvement from our CEO and others to make sure that it made sense. So we have changed everything pre-COVID and then COVID hit and it changed it all again. So for the most part, we're a, a hybrid of initial conversations through a telephone or a webinar and then an on-site visit. On-site visits have been almost impossible to get to. So we've moved to a truly pure virtual session environment. And that's led to some great breakthroughs as well as some challenges. So our team was not equipped. So we had to do a lot of training and we had to refine the data that we were collecting as well as the way we were putting our presentations together. So that way it led more towards a uh, non-verbal and purely virtual presentation. So we've done that and, um, you know, that's been great. So we kind of had a double stack change event with coming in, rewriting our entire sales process, how we collect data, how we prospect, and then uh, how we go to market because of COVID. And do you think shifting that final part of the sales process from in-person to virtual, I don't know if you have enough data yet, but do you know if that's going to have any impact on conversion rate, whether positive or negative? So here's what we're finding. There are more people available to talk to us. That doesn't necessarily mean that we've got more interested buyers. And so we, the data is still a little too early, and our sales cycles typically are six months or more at this point in terms of you know who we sell to and how they buy. So it's a little premature. What we are seeing, there's a huge uptick in interest as people are looking for new solutions. What COVID has done is it has completely had a seismic impact on how buyers buy as well as how we sell. So we're trying to take advantage of that to really serve our clients better and have them rethink the way that they've purchased in the past. Do you really need to do a six-month evaluation? Can we do it in 90 days? Can we eliminate three or four steps in this process? Because we don't need to do on-site visits that take time. Or we can do some of the discovery work in advance with a smaller subset. We don't need everybody. So it's those kind of um, actions that we're taking to really break apart the sales process into smaller components and then think about how we can do uh, our sales efforts with sales ops in new and different ways. So the, 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 the operational change of switching that final stage to remote, have there been any either tech or cultural changes you've made within the team 
to help the reps adapt? Yeah, so a couple things. We we never were doing a lot of listening in on calls when we were physically present. It was a little hard to do that, but now we have that ability. We use Ring Central primarily for our whisper in. Um, and so that's been a new piece and that's been a slight cultural change that we're going through as we're adopting kind of that, you know, that coach in your ear that may or may not be present on the call. So that's been a shift for us. Um, and then the other part of that, and this is really where sales ops has been a tremendous asset for us is we have really refined our data capture, the way we capture data and the way we've set up Salesforce to be not the record of last activity, but to be the planner of next activity, which we think has really changed the, the paradigm in terms of our utilization of Salesforce. Got it. And, and that change happened post-COVID. Like you saw more of a need for proactive rec- records in Salesforce. Yeah. And this is where kind of that being able to straddle both sides between sales and sales ops has been helpful for me. So as somebody who's leading the sales team's efforts, as well as partnering with sales ops, I see how much work goes into creating a good uh, tech stack and yet how little of it's been utilized in actual day in and day out activities. And so what we had was a, a great conversation between the two groups to figure out how do we change the paradigm so that way there's almost no way for a sales rep to do their job without Salesforce. And if they can do their job without Salesforce, we engineered it incorrectly. And so now um, it was really kind of flipping the script and figuring out how do we best serve the Salesforce team. And that way it's got a tool that they're actually going to use rather than having it being kind of the, the whipping post of, you know, you didn't do it, you didn't do it. It, um, it didn't get into Salesforce, therefore it didn't happen. We wanted to make it where people wanted to put stuff into Salesforce because it was giving them value. And that was the shift. So we've done a lot of work. We've done a lot of um, listening sessions and feedback from everybody to say, how can we get this so that this is something you're excited to get into, not something you do at five o'clock at the end mm. of the yeah, so the carrot versus the stick approach. Um, so the, we, we spoke about a few changes. Um, it is going to be super interesting, let's say in 12 months, where things are back to a more normal, whether these changes do stick, whether you will go back to doing the final stage of the sales process in in person. Do you have any, you, you think these changes are permanent, in the changes you've made to the sales process, or do you think some will re- reverse? So my thesis is that we're not going back, we're going forward. We have for so long assumed that a sales process has to operate in a certain manner and sales ops has to support that sales process because that's the only option. We've now seen that we can do business virtually and we can do it faster, better, and make uh, the company more successful. So for me, we're never going back. I hope we never go back. I hope we go forward by learning what we have through this pandemic and shaping that for the future. Uh, I think we're going to get to a hybrid where some people were still going to want to see people, you know, see you face to face, but it's not going to be nearly at the rate in our industry as it had been, right? We have, we, we've moved forward. We're, we're past this point of we can only do face to face. Awesome. I, I totally agree. I'm totally with you. Um, looking now to, to forecasting, have this might be an obvious question, but have the targets and objectives changed over the past few months? I don't know that the targets have changed. I think the signaling 
metrics have changed. So in the past, we could pretty much set a, a normal cadence as, as we were getting to various stages, we knew how long to the next stage, we knew the obstacles that were in the way, and we knew how to overcome that. That has changed. Now we're now operating in a world of unknowns. So we're, ha- we're having to help our team and our team is having to help their buyers navigate that unknown. And really it's all about data. It's all about what's that process? What's that time frame? What elements of data do you need to collect to feel more confident and more secure in making that decision in this world of the unknowns? So it's a lot of training. It's revamping kind of um, the data collection and the way in which we collect it, where we collect it in the sales process. Uh, but I don't know that it's so from a forecasting perspective, things that we thought were going to be absolute slam dunks disappeared overnight. And things that we thought were absolute, you know, there's no chance this deal is ever going to happen have come through. So we're having to recalibrate what are those signaling metrics that we're looking at as opposed to just do we hit this um, opportunity through a normal sales cadence. Got it. So all, all of the typical signals that you used to look for to uh, try and forecast, well, not all of them, but some of the big ones have changed. And so now yeah. you're going back through the process and understanding the different signals that would normally lead to a deal. Yeah. As well as picking up new signals that might be um, you know, contradicting what we had seen before. So it's, it's a whole new world, which is great. I mean, it's a good opportunity to rethink what we were looking at in terms of metrics. For sure. And is it the, who, like, who is looking at those signals? Is that the sales ops team? It's everybody in our organization from our CEO down to the reps. Um, and so we, we have these great conversations. I'll call them great. Some of our folks maybe don't feel that way, but, um, you know, in the world, being in the world of sales ops, I'm familiar with you set the, um, you set the script, you program it, and then you let it run. And that world has changed and now it's more iterative. And now it's, we tried this for 30 days and it didn't work. We now have to go tweak it. So it's much more of an iterative process that we're going through, but we're getting feedback from everybody. Um, so that way we're not looking at just one person's opinion. We're really looking at the data that's coming in as we're collecting it. Got it. And then I guess you're reviewing with the, the head of sales ops and I guess the CEO periodically. Yeah. Got it. Makes sense. Yeah. And I'd love to say it's periodically. I think it's almost daily at this point, the way we're running. Uh, just because it's unknown. And so we're we're really much more laser focused. When I came in, both our new CEO and myself kind of had a conversation about we're flying a plane without any dashboard, no metrics. And so our first goal was to put metrics in place. And now that as we're seeing those metrics come in, we're starting to calibrate to what is the norm? What should we expect? Because for me, the sales process is a combination of art and science. And too much of it was focused on the art and not enough on the science. There's a very clear science. And if you apply that appropriately, you have the ability to forecast with a high level of consistency and accuracy. I mean, I was just, I just quickly flipped back to check the date that you started um, in this role. And it was the start of the year, right? And you said, yeah. <laughs> you also just mentioned earlier that you completely rehauled the sales process between January and March, right? So your your role has been very like almost a whirlwind, I guess, for the past eight months. Yeah, it, it's been a whirlwind for sure. Um, and so there's a methodology that I've learned over the years, which is a metric-based methodology for a sales process. And typically, when I meet it with the sales ops folks, they're thrilled because it's actually 
somebody from the sales leadership side who understands how sales ops works. So there should be a metric for everything that we're doing. And that includes how we identify a prospect, how we engage in that prospect, how we convert that into an opportunity. And there's metrics that you can put in place for just about everything. So we we laid out that framework very quickly, got buy-in, and then we started that that implementation process with the help of the sales ops teams. And then we hit the pandemic. And so we were just about done, and now we're having to make some minor adjustments as we're going through because some of the metrics that we had assumed we can't use moving forward, where we just have to look at them through a new lens. Yeah, that actually leads very nicely onto my next question, which was KPIs uh, that, that you were tracking and then are tracking. Could you, were you able to share just one that, let's say, was that you were tracking before, but now is less important, or the other way around, that you weren't tracking before, but now you are? So I'll say something that'll probably get me in a lot of trouble with all of your listeners. Great. <laughs> but um, so when, when you look at, and this is again, you're pro- I'm probably going to get, yeah, I'm definitely going to get myself in trouble. But that's okay. So when we look at closed one or closed lost reasons, never have I seen in someone's Salesforce uh, uh, implementation or instance, a option that says the sales rep is terrible at their job. It's always closed other right? Or lost the competition. It's never, we didn't do our job right. So I always kind of funny when people in sales ops look at close lost and close one, and they don't look at probably the number one culprit in the, the first, you know, the sales process, which is the sales rep. So I think the close one lost uh, stuff is important. We definitely need to track it. It's just not as important because I don't know the clarity of the signal is as clear as we think it is. Still important, but not as important for me. You know, when you look at it, I don't know if that helps, but that's one yeah, yeah, that I, mean, I would like to downplay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, <laughs> that's definitely a controversial statement. But with like the audience is mainly sales ops, so I think it's not going to be too uh, inflammatory. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> they'll, they'll probably start putting it in, and then I'll get calls from all the sales leaders like, "Why'd you put that in?" <laughs> so, I think um, that's important. Yeah. The other piece is. What, what we have termed their ICP, our ideal client profile. And if sales ops could do anything to help sales teams, this would be it. We have been too general when we've identified who's an ideal client. And so I, what I would suggest is the more granular you can get, the higher the performance of the team. And if you can look at any one metric, that ideal client profile, I guarantee you, is not nearly as deep as it needs to be. In our world, we go about 30 layers deep in terms of data points. I'd love to see it get to 50, to 100, to 150 data points. Because the sharper our focus, the better our chance of success, right? Especially in this world where people are sitting around with lots of free time, and they're not traveling, and they may not be in as many meetings. They're more than happy to take a phone call from a sales rep to be busy. And that's busy work. That's not productive work. Uh, yeah, it's not productive for them or or the rep. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I mean, I'm totally with you. My my background is predominantly marketing, and I know that when you really, really empathize and understand the person that you are trying to communicate to, your conversion rates blow up. So it's exactly the same concept here. Um, yeah. Amazing. So let's move on to some lighter questions. Who uh, has taught you what you know, or has been the most inspirational in your career? Apart from, because obviously we need to mention the, the VP sales ops at your business. Yeah, sure. 
I have to, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Jen Forrester, you're the best. We love you. We're very grateful. Uh, so I'm a big studier of both the sales process and sales technology. Uh, if you have the chance, Charles Forsgood from Honeywell is probably one of the best guys out there. He wrote a really great book around how you measure and monitor sales processes. So great guy to talk to. Uh, Bill Zip is probably one of the other influential uh, individuals who's done a lot of sales coaching and a lot of sales process build out. So I highly recommend if anybody's got some free time, um, he's got a book coming out shortly, but those two in particular, both Charles and uh, Bill have been influential. And then there are other folks along the line that have, um, that have really been kind of game changers for me. Of course, and definitely shout out to Jen. Um, and yeah. then finally, somebody that you, in the world of self-leadership or ops, that you would love to take for lunch, uh, t- preferably that you, you don't have a relationship with already? It's a great question. So uh, I don't know that it's a singular person because I'm interested in a, in a wide range of options, but the person I would want to talk to is a college. And, and whoever's running sales ops at a college, because what colleges have figured out better and higher university, higher education universities have figured out is they have people queuing up to give them hundreds of thousands of dollars and are fighting for the opportunity to give them cash. Oh, that I had that as a problem, right? I, I would love to be able to get to the world where I have a list and I get to pick and choose which individual is going to give me, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And they're fighting for the opportunity to do that. So those folks have figured out probably the, the sales mm. problems better than most. Um, so that would be the person. Again, a little bit not exactly who you probably think of, but somebody that I would want to talk to. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they definitely figure something out. Um, amazing. Jim, thank you so much for that. It was, a, it was a very honest look at the kind of whirlwind that you have experienced over the past eight months. And I'm sure it's going to be super valuable um, and maybe even reassuring for some other, from the sales ops and sales leaders that, that are listening. So thanks so much for coming on. You got it. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. If you are listening on a podcast listening application, then please subscribe, rate, and review And if you have any questions about the show, if you know a guest or if you have any questions about sales operations, just hit me up at tomhunt at ebster.com. That's tomhunt at ebster.com.